Zazowski, nice job. Those numbers are pretty sweet. Are they, you know, I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> and uh, how is Georgie doing? He's doing great. I love working with that big guy. Keep the doors coming, Charlie. I'm on a roll today. George and I are like brothers. <laughs> 
But it is important for us to take, uh, use a discerning eye in the middle of this. I want to read to you a Proverb 30. You know, it's like where we get our wisdom from. And I love how the Lord used something very simple to communicate to us how we should go about our lives. He says in Proverbs 30, 24, four things of the earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard can take in, you can take in your hands, yet it lives in king's palaces. I love the idea of how it's communicating that preparation is an expression of wisdom. So the idea that people are getting prepared for this, people are doing whatever they deem necessary, is something that the scripture uh, says is a good principle. That even the ant is aware of the change of the seasons and that continues in that process of preparing for their own. So preparation, if you're here today, uh, don't feel embarrassed by the amount of preparation that you're doing, but just realize that fear is a conjecture, it's not hope. Um, God doesn't want us to be fear-based at all. And fear is the sickness without the infection. And a lot of people have gotten sick already on COVID-19 without even experiencing anything else, uh, without even being infected. God doesn't want us culturally sick with this um, virus. So make preparations. Continue to do what you need to do for your family, um, but just don't do it based on fear. Uh, we will be making changes here at the church, um, and when we do something like this, we have to evaluate our non-negotiables. It really is interesting as you're watching synagogues and uh, mosques and, and churches all around the world are, are renegotiating, trying to see what, okay, what, we said that if you didn't go to church, you were going to hell, and now we're going to modify that rule a little bit. See, that's what happens when, when you push out things that are not really biblical non-negotiables. So it's, it's a really good time for us personally and as a church to, to analyze what are our non-negotiables. What are the things that we practice that are mandated? And what are the things that are, remember in the garden, God told them, hey, I don't want you to eat from this tree. There was a specific mandate about a specific tree. But then he said, from all the other trees in the garden, you can eat whatever you want to eat as often as you want to eat it. Enjoy yourself. So there were things, and matter of fact, there were less things that were mandated and more things that were just kind of liberty-driven. Well, you know, you like um, avocados, you like avocados. I can't stand avocados. I don't eat avocados, you know? So, but there are some things that are biblically mandated, and, and they, really, they really aren't that many. But then there are all these other things that we as a uh, Christian family can, can do um, as, as we discern it to be the right or the wrong thing in our lives. So here's a couple things that are, I think that are, are mandated in Scripture. Fellowship is, is mandated. Um, it's one of the things that we're told to do. Do not stop the assembling of yourselves together. But hold on to that because how we pull that off is not mandated. 
okay? There's no buildings in the New Testament, okay? So, so, but the idea that we stay in relationship with other believers is a very important thing. So be thinking about that. How many people, well, Scripture doesn't mandate how many people that we need to be hanging out with all the time in our Christian journey. But fellowship is a really big part of the Christian faith. Another part is Scripture. This is, you know, the Word of God is an imperative. We grow by the Word of God. Our faith is strengthened by the Word of God. So we're not going to compromise on the Word of God or our access to the Word of God. But how we deliver that, hey, you'd be interested how we can get that to you. Joy is a mandate. Again, I say rejoice, Paul said. Then again, I said rejoice. When something gets said that many times, he's constantly pushing against the tide. He's constantly pushing against the fear that maybe our culture is facing right now. And he's like, no, whatever you do, keep joy in your life. Keep a God perspective in your life. Another thing that's mandated is giving, is that this isn't a time for us to be driven by fear to hoarding that continue giving into the organizations that, that God has called you to give into. Continue to support the people around you that need support. Continue to help those that maybe are losing their jobs or not going to be getting paid this coming week or the next couple weeks. And, and those who have much among us help those who have little. It's very scriptural, very much a part of the New Testament church. So let me encourage you. So giving, well, how can that happen? Well, we'll help you do that as well. Um, worship is a mandate. Whether you're walking around your neighbor, neighborhood with a pair of headphones on or sitting on your back deck with a cup of coffee or whether you're gathering your family together or whether you're joining us online, worshiping God is part of the mandate of our faith and giving glory to God. Walking in faith is a mandate. That God doesn't want us to live by sight, but to live in our courage and strength in him. And then making disciples is a mandate. None of that is supposed to stop. Okay, so all, that, all that's supposed to go on. And as a church, we've looked at what are we supposed to accomplish as a church. And we look like, okay, we got to make sure these things continue to happen. Um, but how those things can be expressed and encountered, that's why we got so many denominations in the world. See, it's not that you could view that the denominations are like um, an evil, and, and if you want to do that, that's fine. I mean, why did God have 12 tribes? You know, wh is that an expression of evil? Why not just have one tribe? But he decided to allow people to express and experience their faith in different tribal kind of expressions. And so a lot of people do it a lot of different ways. Some people have choirs. Some people, uh, some people go to church on Saturdays and think Sundays is not the day of the Lord. Some people eat meat. Some people don't eat meat. Some people think it's a sin to drink. Some people don't. Some people, um, I, I was going to say smoke weed, but I just didn't have a justification for that one. But, uh, but we'll work on it. We'll see what, what happens there. Um, but there's a lot of different ways, and that's why we're what's called an interdenominational church. It means we ripped off, we ripped off all the good ideas from everybody else. And we just took the ones that we thought were good. I mean, that's, it's like, wow, the Catholics do communion really cool. We like that. Baptists are really good about the word of God. And the Pentecostals believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, all this stuff. And so we just ripped them all off. And so we, we took all the mandates and the best way they were being expressed. And we kind of brought them all together. But, but there are a lot of different expressions on how this can be done. So, um, one of the advantages that we also have is that we have experienced three floods in five years. 
which means when I was all of a sudden, you know, seeing the idea that church was going to have to be done differently, I was like, ooh, we're ready for this. I mean, we've got years of experience of packing up the church and, and doing video church and going into a cinema and setting up there or going into a school and setting up there. And, and over the last three years, five years, we have not diminished at all. We've grown numerically and financially through all of it. So we are prepared for this moment. We are able to go through it because God has enabled us to create a, a range of motion with those mandates. And see, maybe you're here today and you're going to hear communion talked about differently. You're going to hear about baptism being done differently. And what you need to do is realize, is develop some range of motion. You know, being able to do this and, and being able to, you know, for some of us, it's like, no, unless they're like immersed in water, they got to be, their heads have got to be totally good. Baptism can't happen with just sprinkling. It's like, well, God's like, you know, you have that rule, but, you know, I need you to develop a little bit of range of motion on how this Christian experience is, is going to happen in your life. Um, so we're going to provide an opportunity for worship and teaching every Sunday. Um, we're actually getting fiber optics connected to this building, not because we want our gaming to go better, though that will be a byproduct, but so that our, our Sunday morning services will go out faster and crisper. It's going out right now. We've got people that are watching all over the place and they're seeing the service live and we will continue to do that. Um, small groups will continue to meet as long as they feel comfortable. We do not want any group or anyone to feel looked down on because of canceling their group. Let, let me just get this straight. And I and I'm really kind of want to pull back the... Uh, um, spiritual heavies in the group who think, well, you don't have faith because you're not going to a small group. The Apostle James says that to him who deems one day the day of the Lord, to him it is holy. To another man he deems another day uh, holy to the Lord. To him it is holy. Basically, that whatever you do in faith, do all as unto the Lord. So for some people, meeting in group will be an expression of their faith. For some people, not meeting in that group will be an expression of their faith. But whatever you do, do in faith, but don't do in fear. And so the idea that, well, you know, uh, I had one gentleman say to me, well, nobody can get sick here today because it's a church. Um, that's cool he's got that faith, and I didn't take that away from him. And I hope he's right. Um, I like sold your cars as you came in. I don't have that faith, Okay. Does that make me worse than him? Does that make me right and him wrong or him right or me wrong? No. But, you know, um, so, so let's give people a break in the, in the body of Christ. Don't beat anybody up. Um, and so what will happen is if small groups begin to get canceling, I will be doing some family Bible teaching online on Wednesday nights. And so we'll go online and we'll, we'll do that so that you can connect with your family or you can sit down and have a small group with me and Susan and we'll just communicate that way. Also, we'll begin doing communion during our first Wednesday encounter service if that service actually happens. That's when we'll do communion. You're like, oh, wait a minute. We're not going to do it every Sunday? Well, I need to tell you that that we were kind of radical doing it every Sunday anyway. I mean, this, we, that's what we grabbed from the Catholics because I was raised Catholic, and I love communion. It's, it's very special to me. Um, but the Scripture does not mandate on how often it happens. 
So what we would do is if we have a first Wednesday service, not sure if that will happen, uh, probably not, but if it happens, we, we will have communion. And today we're going to provide you with communion, and you're going to see that our communion servers have gloves on, and you'll also get what's going to be called the Holy Snack Pack. The Holy Snack Pack is... <laughs> It's so silly. I mean, you can hear everybody popping them open, you know. It's like, you know, getting uh, cheese and crackers. And, but it, it'll be a little, a wafer will be inside, and there'll be a cup with juice, and, and you'll go back to your seat, and you'll, you still have communion. You say, that's not biblical. You know, it's like, it's, it's still a wafer, and it's still juice. I mean, you know, uh, you want me to put my finger in it for you? I'll, to make it biblical, I'll be more than happy to do that. Uh, <laughs> you see how Lucy, I got a lot of range of motion. I got a lot of range of motion uh, because Christ in us is the hope of glory. That's where it happens. It's, it's happening what's going on inside of our lives. So if groups get canceled and if we're not able to do that um, Wednesday service, after every Wednesday uh, teaching that we do online, we're going to invite you to um, have communion with us. And so we're going to invite you to get a, get a loaf of bread. It doesn't matter what kind. You don't have to bake it. It doesn't have to be unleavened. It can be Wonder Bread. That sounds kind of right, doesn't it? Uh, and, and you get Wonder Bread, and you get some juice, and uh, we'll have a moment after the teaching time uh, to break bread together. Um, again, uh, different methodologies for accomplishing exactly what God wants us to accomplish. Um, ministries like Powered Kids are canceled until fur further notice. But Miss Debbie just and her team and her husband, and they just love these kids so much, they want you to get your badges and your certifications and all. So she's gonna be contacting parents of kids who are in Power Kids uh, through FaceTime to see if they can do their memory verses and, and, and you know, still get their stuff. So I mean, I think that's absolutely amazing. Youth will probably meet because we don't care what happens to them. <laughs> Our we're just like, <laughs> sorry guys, no. No, you're the guys who are gonna survive. You're like cockroaches after a nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna keep on living. <laughs> it's like, wow, we should be more serious about this. Hey, I'm in the endangered species category, so I, I can joke about this. Um, uh, within the next coming week, we will um, evaluate if the doors will be open. Most likely not, since new uh, science is coming out that people who are not showing any symptoms or asymptomatic are the ones that are conveying this, then it would be uh, a good response for us to uh, do what's best for our community. Um, our children's ministries will pick a day or an evening where a Bible lesson will be presented to them. Uh, Mr. Brian will, get, will do a little teaching. There'll be a little video that you can click on YouTube so that a little lesson can be done with your kids so we don't miss a beat there. Um, we are not chickening out. Uh, we are not chickening out at all. And if you could see what the church did in the first century of the, the existence of the church in the middle of the Roman Empire, um, they pretty much did the same thing that we're doing. We've been through three floods in five years. If you think I'm chickening out, you know, I dropped a car on my back six months ago, um, and I was getting cancer treatment on my face two weeks ago. So uh, if anybody wants to say we're chickening out, uh, I'll fight you right after the service, okay? <laughs> we're not chickening out. We're, we're, just, we're just kind of, you know, what do we believe? 
What do we believe? Let's, let's find out what we believe. We've been going around churches. Well, I like this church because they got bouncy castles. We like this church over here because of music. We don't like this church because the music's too loud. Isn't it great that all that's getting all chopped up? It's like how superficial the way that we were evaluating whether or not God was moving in a church. So we're not, we're, uh, not compromising anything that is mandated, mandated. We're just using the freedom of methodology. So, we don't need to judge the different kind of reactions people have. Please stop posting on Facebook how idiotic you think people are because they are going to the store buying out toilet paper. I'm not sure I see the, the, the correlation between toilet paper and the virus, but just leave people alone. Um, uh, you just don't need to follow them. You know what's really interesting? Uh, I went on CNN this morning, their website, and I went on Fox News Network. And do you know today was declared by the president as a national day of prayer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever you think about Donald Trump, today was declared national day of prayer. Do you know that those two websites have nothing on their pages about national day of prayer? Okay? That means they are going to use whatever they've got to unsettle your life. Okay, so don't go looking in the wrong places. Stop dipping your bucket in bitter waters expecting to get a fresh drink of water. Their, their buckets are just, we know what's going on. Stay informed uh, scientifically. Um, and, and let me just continue into our next point. Deploy good science. Listen to what the CDC is saying. Listen to what the community is saying. Um, be good citizens. If the mayor comes up to me today and says, listen, Paul, we really need to stop all services, we're stopping all services. I mean, because gathering here on a Sunday morning does not def define the Christian church. Um, but be good citizens. If they tell you not to go to the store, I know I'm one of those guys that when a hurricane comes through, I live right next to the water, and, and it's like, I'm not leaving my house, I'm going to stay here, and you know, and, and I have, and I've been a really bad citizen, but that really just affected me, whether I was going to live and die, but you moving around is going to affect whether or not somebody else lives and dies. So it's very important for us to listen to, to what the experts are saying and to be good citizens. Uh, be a better neighbor. Check on the people around you. See if they're okay. Check on the elderly. Um, make sure that the people around you are taken care of. Also, don't believe everything. Don't, I mean, Facebook is not where you get your information, I hope. Please, see, okay, this is why the government can't tell us whether or not aliens really exist. Because if we freak out with this, could you imagine if the government said, oh yeah, by the way, we got some aliens stored in Area 51. People would freak. So stop, um, don't believe everything that you hear. Trust God. Just seek and trust God with your life. Talk to him. Talk to him about your concerns and your fears. Talk to him about what's concerning you about you and your family. He's listening. Um, trust him. Follow after him. Listen to what he's saying into your life. I can tell you over the last six months, he is trustworthy. After the last five years, he is faithful. It doesn't mean adversities disappear from the earth, but, it, but God is faithful, and he wants you to seek him and to see how good he is. Also, another thing I think, and this is kind of more psychology and spirituality, but um, is maintain healthy routines. 
The last thing you need to do is stay at your house for 14 days eating bonbons and watching uh, something on Netflix. The last thing you need to do is just have your kids come home and just run around the house gaming the whole time. As I was walking a couple days ago and, um, in, in, on the dirt road in my neighborhood, I was, uh, as I was walking around and thinking about things, I, I walked into one of those little worms that hangs from a, um, a web, you know, and it was coming down from one of those oak trees, and then I, I saw them, and he was kind of like this big, and he was squirming, and he was doing all this stuff, and, and I was like, look at this guy. He has no idea there's a virus on. I mean, I'm like, I cannot believe. Then I looked around and all those little things that come out of oak trees that have the pollen in it are all over the ground. It's amazing. The routine of nature continues regardless of what's going on with viruses. There's something good about routine. The Old Testament is loaded with feast days and remembrance days and things. Why? Because our minds stay focused when we have routine. Maintain routines. Keep things going because it's, it, it maintains familiarity, it maintains discipline, and also it kind of has the ability to alleviate some of the uncertainty. When you know what you're going to do tomorrow and what you and the kids are going to do before you go to bed and, and what you're going to be busy about doing, the uncertainty of tomorrow gets shoved out a little bit because routine keeps you busy, keeps you occupied in the middle of it. So we're going to help you design church for the home instead of you having a home church. You know, most people here, this is your home church. What we're doing, I'm excited. I mean, for me, this is what needed to happen a long time ago, is that people began to figure out how valuable their faiths are to them and take it home uh, and, and be quarantined with Jesus and see how much of that faith you're actually going to bring into your house or are you relying on your home church to provide it for you? So we're going to enable you to, um, to uh, do that at home. So um, a lot of good stuff is happening, and there's no reason for us to be afraid of this. And You know, last week we were talking about this series about, about God tearing down to, to build back up, or we use those words raise and raise, R-A-Z-E. And we learned that that word means to destroy, to bring something down to the ground. And, and, um, and we actually saw Jesus going through the temple and, and throwing tables over and, 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 and messing up the temple. And, and it is interesting that he did the temple. He didn't, he didn't do the public square. He, he kind of went into the church and started turning tables over. And, and then he said my, that, that he was going to destroy the temple and raise it three days, referring to his own body. That, that there is um, new life and new power that can be given as a result of tearing down something old and then raising something new. And for a lot of us, um, God wants us to see that through the death of Christ and the rising of Christ, the raising of his body, meaning tearing down of his body and the raising back up, is that God is empowering us to experience new life through the tearing down of old things so that new things can be raised up. So last week was almost prophetic as, as we were talking about that God loves you enough to turn over the tables in your life so that something new can happen in your life. Um, and so I, I know a lot of you are like, okay, wait a minute, are you telling me that God um, is letting COVID-19 do this to us? Let me just give you 
a, a couple things. Um, there is a medical issue in the world right now called COVID-19. But it does have some spiritual significance. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, what, which one is it? Well, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a bee. Let's say that the COVID-19 is a bee. Now, an entomologist is, very, is somebody who views the bee from the study of the behavior of insects. So they're kind of looking at it from the science of how the bee operates and, and how the bee integrates with other bugs. So an entomologist would look at it that way. But then standing over over here, a botanist looks at the bee for a totally different reason. The, he looks at how symbiotically that the bee interacts with his or her flowers and plants and enables plants to grow and, and fruit and, and, and vegetables to grow around the world. Both of them are looking at the same object, but they're looking at it from two different perspectives. Is one of them wrong? No, they're both correct in their observation of the bee, but they're looking at it from different perspectives. So from a science and medical standpoint, we are having a... Uh, pandemic. We have a virus that's going around. It's affecting people. Now, you may be the kind of person that decides you're only going to look at this medically. You're only going to look at it how it affects your 401k. You're only going to affect, you know, look at it how it's going to inconvenience you. Or you could still look at the same virus from a theological standpoint and, and look at this bee and see what else could be going on here other than just a virus. Is God trying to communicate something to us? And I would say very much so. Um, our conveniences are being upended. They really are. Our confidences are being turned over. And our security has been exposed wanting. Oh my goodness. Did we know that this country could be this week just like that? I mean, we got silos loaded with nukes. We got submarines underneath the water. We got battleships and bombers. And all of a sudden, in one week, bam, look at us. You know, all of a sudden, the stock market does something that we never thought would happen. And here we are in this place. And, and you know, and what God is saying is like, listen, this is good for you. This is good for every one of you. Now, I want to push back on some of you religious folks because you're saying, because like when 9-11 happened and the two towers came down, you said God was punishing the United States for the sin of homosexuality, okay? You are so bogus, it's, it's ridiculous, okay? Because biblically, we are told that when judgment comes to the earth, the word of God tells us that it first comes to the house of God, Okay, that means when God wants to fix something on the earth, he doesn't go to the person in the middle of the street. Jesus didn't go to the 7-Eleven and start turning over tables. Jesus went into the church and started turning over tables. He's like, listen, I know what they're doing out there, but you guys have turned my house into a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. This is supposed to be the, a group of people who trust me, who believe in me, who follow after me, who order their lives after me. So as far as, it, this is not a judgment on the earth. If anything, this is a wake-up call for us as believers, that God is saying, listen, hey, I just needed to shake you a little bit because your conveniences, you really, you really are, you like having me and, you know, Harris Teeter and 
drive through Starbucks and bouncy castles and churches that play just the kind of music that you want to play. Um, your confidence is in, in something else other than just me. Your security is defined based upon your bank account or your, your blood pressure or your age. And God's like, no, 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 no. I got to get my people back to trusting in me. That's how the world's going to change. It's not God bringing judgment on the earth, but rather God um, uh, bringing correction into our lives and getting us reoriented in our relationship. When I, when I drop that car on me, you know, I, I have to admit, and I'll, and I'll say this, I think I'm running out of time. Dang it. Okay, I won't say that then. Okay. No, no, it's all right. Come online. Join me online. You'll get it. The special episode for insiders. <laughs> <laughs> For $9.95, you will get to hear. <laughs> okay. Um, God does not just destroy things to destroy things. God is not just letting people get sick. God wants to raise up within something in us, something better. Um, he wants a new confidence, a new security, uh, a fresh conveyance of grace to come into the world. And it will come through us who believe and trust in God, whether we're here today or whether we're at home today, that, that doesn't matter. But the, the fact that we will trust in God, that we will hope in God, that our confidence will be in God, that's what God wants to do in our life. And it's, it's in times like this that we need to discover that about God. You know, as I'm, I'm moving towards the end of this, um, in the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, we are given a vivid description of what happens when the body of Jesus is raised, R-A-Z-E-D, destroyed. Um, it, it, we would normally think that things would only happen when he's raised, R-A-I-S-E-D. But it's even when, the, when there was the pulling down of the body of Christ, the destruction of the body, the, the piercing of the body of Christ, the, the, um, the death of the body of Christ, we are told that it has impact around the world. And, and, and let me read to you the description. And I want you to correlate what God may be doing in your life, what God has done already in your life through the work of Christ. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatini. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion, those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Man, what a powerful description. Just in the destructive act of the body of Christ. 
in the death of Christ, the veil of the temple is torn from the top to the bottom, meaning that religion tries to tear access to God from the bottom to the top. But rather, the scripture tells us, no, God, through the broken body of Jesus, through the tearing down of Jesus's body, rips it. God rips that which separates us from him. In parallel description, the rocks were split. Why tell us the rocks were split? Why not just tell us it earthquake? Um, we're also told that there are these momentary resurrections that occurred. And I think all of this is signifying the removal, the parting, the destruction of the separation between God and us through faith in Christ. That God's removing everything out of the way that nothing stands today between you and God's plan for your life, not even COVID-19. Nothing stands be between you and the love of God. It happened that the writer of the book of Hebrews recalled this moment, and he kind of wrote it out for us what was taking place, kind of theoretically. He's like, okay, here's what happened to the body of Christ and what happened physically. He says, let me tell you what happened spiritually, what this all meant. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, is that the cross has opened up our way to God, and since we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. I mean, today, let's draw near to God. The way is open for us with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. This is not the day to give up your confidence in God. For he who is, who is faithful promised that he would take care of us. And he goes on to say, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Are we in a time of need right now? And God says, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. It's wide open. You know, if you're just going to keep this thing as, as if you're just going to see this be as a, a science thing, then, then, you know, the bee stings you. It's a science thing. But if we will trust in the death and the resurrection of Christ, we see this thing totally differently. We see this thing with another element going on. And if we see it from the perspective of God, we realize that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in a time of need for us and for our families. God has torn down the separation between us and him. So today... Um, our weaknesses are ever so close to us. Our futures are really out of our control, aren't they? I mean, when you think about kind of the financial and social aspects of things, um, our fears are very real. I mean, there's a real virus out there. There is a real threat to life and home and, and to our society. But we can boldly approach the throne of mercy in a time of need. That's what we can do. That's what we can do. We can approach God, not only for ourselves, but for our society. We can give hope to our nervous neighbors. We can seek God for us. 
And God has allowed our confidence to be overturned. Why? So that you and I would return to the throne of the one and true God. Too many of us have been playing with compromise. You know, it's like, well, you know, Pastor Paul struggles with that. Uh, well, this, you know, I don't think, I think Christians can watch that and do this and that and all that stuff. It's like, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, when everything was healthy, I'd watch any TV show. Right now, oh, we're watching the Hallmark Channel. You know, it's like, why? Because, hey, if I, I want God to work in my life, I mean, shoot, I don't want anything between me and God, especially since he's torn the veil between us. You know, that's really good and healthy for us to look around and say, wow, I really have been approaching this God thing the wrong way. What does all this mean? Let me read to you the description of what God's in, inviting you and I to do today. If my people who are called by my name, not of America, if my people, you and I, the future of America is right here. God is saying, I will respond to this, but who's going to have to ask me to, to respond? He says, if my people who are called by my name, Christ Christians, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. God's not blowing up America because of homosexuality. Or because of alcohol. Or because of weed. God's saying, if my people, my people will, will allow me to turn over the tables of compromise in their lives. And they will seek my face and humble themselves. And they'll, if my church will come back to me. Guess what I'll do? I will heal their land. I will heal their land. So if you're sitting here waiting for the CDC to figure out what's the future of America, I'm here to tell you, Scripture says, the CDC is like, I hope those people over there are praying. You know, I hope the church is getting right <laughs> because we need the church to be right so that God responds to their prayers. But here's what we're offered today, and I love it. He continues to say, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place, in this place. God's listening to us right now, the church. It's like, wow, okay, I'll find out what the hope of America is, not based upon what's going on in the 7-Eleven, but what's going on in the hearts of the people of God, whether here or online, in their homes, wherever they are, that will determine the outcome for their land. So as we move into expressions of communion, our communion is gonna be handed out again to you. They will, they will hand you and, and drop the communion into your hands. And we invite you to go back to your seat and to, to uh, Open it up, and I made fun of it earlier, but now as we get a little bit more serious, there is bread and there is a cup. And let it be a time when you reconsecrate yourself to God, that you humble yourself, that you seek Him, that you pray, that you repent of anything between you and God, and invite God to heal your land. Your prayer is not only important for you, but it's important for all of America. 
So as we move into this moment of expressions and communion, I want to do something a little bit different because right now we're all speculating about what's true and what's not true. What we're hearing from the White House, what we're hearing from the CDC, what we're hearing you know, from our doctors or our neighbor or Facebook. So, so we need to grab a hold of what we know is real and true and we need to declare that. So as we get ready for this moment, can we push through the speculation? And if I could get you all to stand together, I think this is a good time for us to declare what we believe. And through the centuries, through world wars, through famine, through persecution, through the Spanish flu, through plagues and everything that have come upon the face of the earth, the church has always stood and declared what it believes. We call those creeds. So let me invite you today to declare what we know to be true together as we declare this creed. And I would like you to join me in this. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. And for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, it is based upon this declaration we stand today. We come together in faith in the middle of this shifting sands of time and society. We stand on the rock which is Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So Lord, we cast all of our burdens, all of our doubts, all of our fears upon you because you care for us. And you remind us that it's not by might, it's not by the power of men, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so today we ask, as we step in faith, as we stand in confidence before you, that you would fill our lives with your Holy Spirit, that you will forgive our sins as we turn from our wicked ways, that you will heal our land, 
because your eye will see and your ear will hear the prayer that is offered in your church at home and in this place and throughout the world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. You know just what to do, God. And most of it's already been done. You know, before you go, and, and we'll do a blessing here in a moment, but let me encourage you to please download the app. I'm so glad we did that app thing. Um, it may have sound silly to a lot of you a year ago, but it really is a great way for us to communicate. You can watch online. You get updates of what we're doing here at the church. If you don't know how to do that, one of our technicians will be at the, in the back at guest services and will help you load it onto your phone. So let me encourage you on that. If you don't have any of that and we don't have your email, please fill out, go to guest services, fill out one of the connect cards. Just give us your email so that we can send you updates and also, if you don't have children, could I ask you, in order to keep us all converging into one little funnel heading out the back, can I ask you, if you don't have children, to just go on out the side doors and enjoy the rest of your day? You know, the scripture that I read out of Hebrews talked about Jesus being our high priest that has gone into the presence of God. And, and you kind of wonder, well, what, what's he doing there? And, and what is he saying to us? And, what is the attitude of God towards us? Well, there's this thing in the Bible called the prayer of the high priest that God gave Moses for Aaron to pray. And I'm going to pray that over you because it's exactly the words of Jesus on your life today. Could you all bow for this blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Live long and prosper.